0: jokes about mad cow disease. Two cows in the, in the barn said, uh, one said, what do you think of that mad cow disease? And the other one says, I'm not concerned, I'm a duck.
1: Simon Taylor, welcome to Comedy Legends with Bevo. Thanks for having me, Bevo. Now you're in, uh, in town at the LA Fringe at the moment doing a show called Epic, and it's going to be going to the Gold Coast, Melbourne Comedy Festival. Uh, tell us about the show and, and what it's all about.
0: Well, I set myself a challenge this year not to mention the pandemic at all in the show. So it's actually about travel stories, pretty much from you know, all my times in America and I've turned it into one big epic story. I like to think it's epic. I start with the poster title <laughs> and then I go, right, now I've got to make this show epic, try to live up to that expectation. So it's just travel stories of me being an idiot and and being a fish out of water
1: so i guess you can't give too much away because you know do you know when the viewers are listening i'll give it all away i don't mind <laughs> <laughs> gives a little bit of a bit of a bit of a sneak preview uh
0: well essentially i was in um albuquerque i was in like the wild west historically in america and i, I got mugged there and Well, I got, kind of got conned. I got like sort of tricked into giving someone money and then I was mugged and then I had to get back home urgently and I, I couldn't get a flight out and it just ended up being this crazy struggle of trying to get, get home and, and, and going through the, the wildest parts of uh, the southern states of America.
1: That sounds pretty unreal. It was scary. Yeah. Mainly scary, Bevo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Scary, scary, but um, certainly yeah. I'm glad. Obviously I'm here. You can tell the tale. Exactly. Oh, yeah, I live yeah. to tell the tale. Yeah. And you're smiling as well, so that's most <laughs> yeah. important. because <Yeah.
0: laughs> I got out alive.
1: Yeah. And, and actually, you mentioned America as well. You've got mm-hmm. an American partner, Lucy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, where'd that relationship come about? And date one, where was
0: it? In a gallery, art gallery. Because I Ooh. saw, all right, here's my move. Yeah. You always go through their photos on like we met on Bumble, right? So you go through the photos and you have a look, and I saw she was an artist. So I'm like, all right, art gallery. And we Smooth. yeah, yes. so yeah, because you want to do something specific to them. And uh so we went to National Gallery of Victoria and we, you know, we sat down in front of this big Birkin and painting. And uh, we chatted there. That's where we had our first big combo. And then on our second anniversary, we went back to the art gallery. And that's where I proposed to her. I had a little plaque made out and I had it put on the wall. And it said, uh, Proposal to Lucy by Simon Taylor... Ring on finger 2021. Well and so fine. we were just like walking by, I'm like, oh, this is where we first chatted. And then I'm like, oh, what's that? And
1: she looked at the plug and was like,
0: ah, oh my God. And I proposed to her.
1: That is two ticks in the box there. Very smooth here yeah, first date And the proposal. Well. Very yeah. smooth, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and yeah. I
0: always teased her, I said, Why don't you propose to me? You should propose to me. And she's like, Oh, well, you know, it's traditionally the man. I'm like, so we're not traditional. And uh, after I proposed to her about five months later, she uh, she proposed back because I'd always tease her about it. So she created a scavenger hunt around Melbourne. I had no idea we were just solving all these clues, and then she eventually you know got down on one knee and proposed to me, and it was nice. so all that teasing paid
1: off i got to experience (laughs) it
0: so it's really yeah it was really nice
1: and and speaking of america 24 Mm. years old young lad Mm. and you were doing incredible things over there you're actually a writer for jay leno Mm. that's obviously one of the biggest shows around the world in terms of like late night shows what an experience and and what sort of writing were you doing there
0: it was yeah it was crazy i went over just to just to see a friend and do some gigs and a producer from the Tonight Show saw me do stand up and said, "Oh, you're funny, you should come to the Tonight Show, come meet Jay." And I just thought, "Oh, that's nice. I get to see the show and I didn't even realize that I would meet Jay properly until after the show. Uh and and when I met him, I I just kind of made him laugh and he said, "Oh, okay, you're funny. Send some jokes in." So I, I wrote one-liner jokes for him and sent them in, and the next day I had a contract. So it was pretty surreal, and I just basically every day for two years read the news and sent in jokes, and and that was that was
1: my life for two years. That's incredible. And what was Jay Leno like as a bloke?
0: He, he's like a mechanic. He's just like a friendly. <laughs> down-to-earth guy he's yeah incredibly nice incredibly supportive especially when the show ended he just told all the staff and he told me directly he's like if you need anything let me know and he wrote me like a letter for my visa application and you know sign that i wrote a book and he gave me a quote for the back of the book so he's just incredibly giving and a really nice guy and and yeah just just feels like a, a, a he doesn't feel hollywood or showbiz he just feels like oh he could be a mechanic he could be you know some guy who owns a restaurant he could be he just seems like a genuinely you know working class guy
1: and you still keep in touch or
0: yeah 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 (laughs) when i need something (laughs) i reach out like hey can you give me a quote uh but yeah yeah i um yeah just generally you know hear from him over uh, email
1: very occasionally yeah that's a wonderful story. Mm. And another wonderful story, um, speaking of writing, you've mm. also been doing some writing for a Netflix show. Now let me get this quote, Magic for Humans. So Magic for yeah, Humans. Yeah, Netflix, tell us more yeah. about that and you're all there. Well, the first night that I
0: was in Los Angeles when that producer saw me, I was doing a, a show for a magician. It was his lineup show. He was hosting it and I got a spot on it. So all the people I met that night are still my friends. So after writing for The Tonight Show, he kind of, you know, picked me up and said, hey, do you, do you want more writing work? And so I worked on the, the magic show. So I wrote a lot of jokes for it, but I I did magic for a little while when I was 20, 21, 22, just quite enjoyed it. I was doing a lot of different styles of performance. I did improv, uh, did spoken word poetry. Uh, I was singing and things like that. I was just writing in all these different mediums because I was really enjoying performing really and then when stand-up came along i'm like oh this is the most fun i'll just stick with this so when magic for humans came about i had that background in magic that i could kind of draw on so i kind of merged both worlds of my comedy writing magic writing and was able to come up with yeah what we were really proud of quite a funny magic show at no point is the host really like, okay, let's be serious. This is we're, we're going to blow your mind. We were actually taking the piss a lot, um, which is so enjoyable when you, you can just shake the sh- seriousness out of something, you know, the Copperfield or the Chris Angel or the David Blaine are so like, you know, mysterious and I'm going to show you something that is going to change a lot. Like <laughs> we get to get like, throw that out and just be idiots with magic and that was
1: super fun i want to take you back to your very first show doing stand-up and um, what was that experience like first ever a stand-up gig i think was at the comics
0: lounge in melbourne and it was just death like i just died so hard i had i think i'd watched a lot of comedians online and they just appeared to be all energy. Like if you came out with lots of energy and you acted things out, it'd be super funny. But I didn't realize there are jokes. There's a structure to a joke. You know, there's a setup and a punchline and I didn't get that. So I came on stage like saying lots of things loudly <laughs> with no actual substance to the, the joke or the bit. So... I just flat out died and I came off stage thinking, oh no, I need to do that again to get it right. And I think that's when I worked out I would be a stand-up because if I had a good gig, I would, I'd I'd want to do it again. If I had a bad gig, I needed to fix it, so I wanted to do it again. So irrespective of how well the set went, I needed to get back on stage. And that's kind of how... I kind of treat it now of, of well, i got another gig ahead of me. I'll just do another one. I'll just do another one. And and that's how you kind of look back and go, oh my goodness, I've been doing this for 12 years now.
1: In, in terms of hecklers though, what's been some of the, you know, the, the best lines you've heard?
0: There's two kind of hecklers. There's either like middle-aged men who are kind of alpha males and they think they're helping. And they'll, you know, they yell something out like, yeah, my missus said that or something like dumb. And one one guy it was here in Adelaide, actually, he said, um, oh, you know, you're crap or I could do that better. And I said, what's your name? And he said, Kent. I said, it sounds super close to what I just <laughs> thought you were. Um and so that was that was kind of like a nice moment that shut him up. But generally with with hecklers, they're super drunk and a heckler put down doesn't help because they just think they're part of the show. So they'll yell out and you shut them down with a great line and then they'll go, yeah, that's great. They're, just, they're, not, they're not capable. They don't have the capacity to be embarrassed anymore. They're too drunk. They don't, they're not aware that they're ruining the show for other people. So there gets to a certain level of drunkenness where you're not actually having a back and forth with them. They're just in their own world. And it's kind of better to try, encourage them to leave. So <laughs> I, the last time I, I had that, though, the group of friends that they were with kind of guided them out and got them out. So that was kind of nice.
1: That was good teamwork. Because it would have been embarrassing friends. for them as well.
0: For their friends, yeah, They're yeah. Super, they were super embarrassed, so they just they just said, "Oh, we're so sorry," and they they got their friend a, a cab, and and uh, which is actually a very responsible thing to do. So I yeah. think exactly. I think we've had enough, uh, you know, uh, alcohol education in Australia to just send your mates home when they've had enough. Yeah. So it, it, that that was really heartening to see.
1: Yeah. Well said and in terms of the passion for comedy mm. where did it come from originally simon like was there someone on tv that you had growing up as an idol or yeah where did you really get that that interest to want to be a stand-up comedian
0: growing up i always wanted to be a performer like my dad told me i used to dress up as a clown a lot I <laughs> want to be a silly little slapstick clown and so i was always drawn to that i did drama at school and all that sort of stuff i think Growing up, I had like this CD of an Irish comedian and he just told like pub jokes, you know, like, oh, Paddy went down to the construction site and asked the foreman for a job and the foreman said, I don't have enough work for my own men. And Paddy said, well, that's fine. I won't be doing much. <laughs> I like just like dumb punchliney, you know, silly punchline jokes like that. And I used to listen to those CDs and and thought they were super funny. But they were just all like, you know, jokes about mad cow disease. Two cows in the, in the barn said, uh, one said, what do you think of that mad cow disease? And The other one says, I'm not concerned, I'm a duck. You know, dumb, <laughs> dumb jokes like that, right? Silly jokes like that. That was what I thought stand-up was, just silly jokes. But then I saw Rod Quantock. Now, he was a political comedian, and he would do jokes about, politicians about the economy about social issues i was about 13 and and it wasn't until then i realized oh comedy can be a, about something with substance so when i started doing stand-up i actually was drawn to that style of talking about things that i thought were important about social issues about the big issues that i thought were really important so that uh he was a big inspiration. You don't see him on tv much anymore but he used to be the captain snooze guy oh. rog quantuck that was his big tv gig <laughs> <laughs> but his stand-up is incredible and and just really uh cutting and and political and and so he was a big inspiration for sure and fiona O'Loughlin was another one because she told stories she'd tell these long stories and i think she still does Storytelling style. She does a lot of like family observational stuff, but I love when she tells a long story, and I've kind of adopted that um, as well uh, in my my shows. So those are kind of the three: random Irish comedian Rod <laughs> Quantock and Fiona O'Loughlin,
1: great South Australian. I've to her before. She's she's a ripper, definitely. So yeah, yeah, and and going back to you know younger years as well you've studied psychology Mm -hmm. um, so you're a very smart man Um, i I didn't (laughs) uh, i only scraped by (laughs) you don't know if i passed (laughs) do Mm. you use much of your psychology um, materials as part of your shows Mm. as well i think i use the
0: education in the sense of how i organized my writing how i organize my life and also just how rigorous I am in preparing a show. If you've done research, you have to like check things and double check things and have references and make sure things are true and uh, accurate. And in my stand-up, I actually quite like doing that as well. I'll, you know, even contact friends who are scientists going, is this accurate the way I'm making this joke? So it's just a strange commitment to science and academia that I have. So I think that type of brain has affected how I do comedy. But, um, yeah, I don't necessarily do jokes about science, but I think the approach has has changed the way that I um, view my shows.
1: And obviously comedy is your main focus at the moment. Mm. Any thoughts in the future of, of using the psychology you know, to get other jobs or...?
0: I have been offered a PhD and I don't want to be poor again, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. you know, considering having kids soon and, and, and I think doing a PhD during that time would be very draining. So I, 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 I would consider it because I could do that stuff and actually be, you know, a counselor or a, a full-time psychologist, but my friends do that and I don't you know, I don't envy their life and all their lifestyle. I kind of, I really enjoy being a creative and I'm sure I can apply that background to some way to further projects, perhaps a a book, a comedy book about psychology, maybe. That would be quite fun. But I always thought of doing a book about the psychology of writing a a, a joke. I kind of have a draft in my laptop folder somewhere. (laughs) So I do have that interest, but... It's really just fun to perform especially after the last couple of years it's just a joy to be on stage again so i don't really want to coop myself up in an office yeah. uh, studying psych again for a while we'll see i might get we- weary of the the road again
1: <laughs> and um you wrote a book speaking of books you wrote mm. a book called one night stand i did yeah interesting title <laughs> yeah what, what, was, what was this one all about it's about a comedian who has a one night
0: stand and is told he's going to be a father and it's based on a comedian I know. <laughs> it, it happened to me about four, six years ago. Had a fling, and four weeks later, I get a message saying, hey, you know, I'm pregnant, you know, you're the dad. And I thought, oh, well, of course, I'll be there. And then the, a day later, I got another message saying, actually, it might be another guy. I'm not sure if it's you or him. <laughs> so it was nine months of trying to work out if it was me or him until we could get the paternity test when the kid was born.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: So I wrote a fiction book, which is based on that, what happened to me. I, I obviously changed the names and places, and um, but the emotional journey is still the same. And it was really a big growing up. Period of me just going, hey, I've got to start thinking of others now. Because particularly being a comedian is a very self-focused career. What am what am I doing? What's happening in my career? What commitments do I have? I've got to travel. I've got, you know, got to focus on building the career type thing, being away, all that sort of stuff. So when a child is on on the cards then all of a sudden hey i'm not the most important person in my life anymore this kid is so i was gearing up to 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 be a dad and 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 that was quite a massive life change and so the book talks about you know that emotional and mental change and then yeah and how it all unfolded I'm trying not to give away the secret. can we it? because
1: it sounds fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's uh it's it's really um it's it's really a lot of my raw emotion in it. Uh and and jokes along the way. So that that background in um writing for the Tonight show a, able to keep it funny even though it was quite a turbulent time.
1: Yeah. And is it just available on your website or?
0: It's uh, available in bookstores, uh, online. So, um, yeah, you can just go to simontaylorfunnyboy.com and there's
1: a link to, to, yeah, wherever you can get it online. Beautiful. And speaking of that, you've just given it a plug. You, you, mm. Your shows, that's how sort of people can book as well for for Adelaide, Melbourne and Queensland going forward this year?
0: Yeah, I just, you know, get on my mailing list and I'll... Uh, very very occasionally let you know what i'm doing so simon taylor funny boy is my website and i have uh yeah i have tour all around the country and uh books uh out and an audio book coming out of one night stand so yeah i got stuff putting stuff out there
1: love it i'm definitely going to buy that one that sounds like a ripper Uh, before i let you go I can't leave this conversation without talking about the pies, Collingwood.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm a bit out of touch, to be honest, because I grew up with it. As I was saying, my, my dad is a one-eyed Collingwood supporter, so it was a religion growing up. And uh, I think the moment that it was clear to dad that I wasn't as um, avid a supporter as he, he is, was he when I was born, he signed me up for an MCC membership. So you get to go to the Melbourne Cricket Ground, whenever you're a member, you get in the members section, you have priority tickets. And when I hit 18, that's when the membership came through just because it took 18 years for me to go up. It's a huge list, you know. And so when I hit 18, I have this membership now that costs 300 bucks a year or whatever. And my dad's like, you can go to games whenever you want. You get the members section, you have access to the grand finals, you know, uh, priority tickets. And I, I I paid for it for, I think, two years, but I never... I think I went to one game. And so I had to begrudgingly, very sadly, tell my dad, break it to... I had to come out as a, an, an entertainer and a, <laughs> a lover of the arts. I'm like, I'm sorry, Dad, I can't. I'm not going to pay $300 a year for this <laughs> MCC <laughs> membership. I'm going to have to give it up. And so, yes, as much as I was indoctrinated into the, the world of Collingwood... I um yes, I moved into into the arts. So I'll go see, you know, fifty shows during a festival, but I haven't seen a game in a long time.
1: Oh, that's fair enough mm. <laughs> well Simon Taylor thanks so much for joining us on Comedy Legends with Bevo um, the show epic can't wait to see it at the Adelaide Fringe and as I mentioned previously as well Gold Coast Melbourne Comedy Festival and and um, other places this year I presume as well
0: yeah I'll be hitting uh, everywhere I can uh, Sydney in May and uh, Perth when they let me in <laughs> yes <laughs> thanks again mate thanks I for coming I appreciate on. it Bevo